Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Well, I don't know about you, Matt and David, but I think I have just witnessed and I'm currently basking in the afterglow of one of the greatest men's tennis matches of all time. I certainly think that I've just watched the best set of men's tennis in my lifetime. Fans of or people that are particularly touchy about recency bias might not be a fan of this podcast because we'll get all sorts of accusations thereof. But show me a better set of tennis than the third that was played tonight between Rafael Nadal and Novak Djokovic. I dare you to show me a better set of tennis. Is this hyperbole, David, or am I am I bang on? Or somewhere in between? It's not hyperbole. I, I think recency bias is a, is a real thing, and I think it's definitely something that I've succumbed to over the years. When When I look back and think of things that I've waxed on about at the time and then maybe looked back at, at differently later. But there's, there are a few reasons that I don't think that that's the case this time. The main one is that the, the most vital ingredient of a truly great match or a truly good, uh, in this case, I agree with you, probably the best set that I can think of in my life that I've seen, that being the third set, is that both players play pretty much their best tennis at the same time. And you only get that normally in little spells in any, in any match, sometimes in any tournament. You know, we, we've heard so many players tell us that uh, an awful lot of tennis is just their average level and occasionally they'll hit the heights. Well, these two are two of the greatest players of all time without question and they were playing their best tennis at the same time. And it, I felt that it was almost wrong that I was allowed to watch it for free. I mean, okay, I'm paying a tiny little subscription to, to a streaming service, but I'm thinking, how am I getting to do this? It's because they were just toe-to-toe, side-to-side, the two best defenders in the world, the greatest clay court player ever, and a guy who is trying to overhaul a lot of them all at the same time. And I... It's very hard to sum this sort of match 
up into any words that that do it justice and i'm sure i'm failing miserably but i know that i was moved constantly throughout that match i'm sitting in a hotel room on my own uh, i've got there's that wonderful ambient sound option on on the eurosport player where you don't have any commentary and i'm sure the commentary was great because there were commentators on tonight that i really like but i listened with no commentators and there were points where i ended up doing my own commentary on my own <laughs> in the room just because i was so worked up uh, it was that fantastic. is the most David Law thing that has ever happened. I love that. <laughs> Anyone else saying that, and I would think it was a little bit sad. But you, David, <laughs> I was I having think the time of my amazing. life. Yeah, I know you were. <laughs> right. This is the point at which I should probably explain to the listener that Matt and I are, for the first time in 15 months, not only recording a podcast in the same room, but uncomfortably close to one another. <laughs> because. <laughs> <laughs> We've gone from naught to a hundred on the uh, <laughs> recording, recording a podcast in this uh, in the same place front because for for complicated, well, actually for for really uncomplicated technological reasons, we're share, we're sharing a pair of earphones, uh, so we can only be the length of an old fashioned <laughs> earphone wire away from one another i can't can't even turn my head to look matt directly in the eye before bluetooth yes uh so matt i'm going to awkwardly ask you without looking at you (laughs) was that did we just watch tonight in fact are we are we the common denominator here does us watching tennis matches together make them great we have had some cracking matches haven't we uh I'm thinking mainly of Sitsipas Wawrinka at the French Open in 2019. Gosh, I agree with everything you've both just said about this match and that third set in particular. I mean, I would add as an ingredient to a great set, not knowing which way it's going. And there were so many momentum swings in this set. It looked like Djokovic had it. Nadal came back. It looked like Djokovic had it again. Nadal came back again. And we headed into a tie break. And I said to Catherine at this point, can you imagine losing this set of tennis and winning the match? I just didn't think it was possible. And then when Djokovic did win that tie break, I said, well, if there's one guy who could lose that set of tennis and win the match, it's Nadal. And yet he broke at the start of the fourth set, but actually... I think we saw he he didn't have anything left. He was broken by the end of that match, physically, emotionally, mentally. That set, that match had taken so much out of him. You know, beating Nadal is the at Roland Garros is the toughest thing in tennis. And we saw the depths Djokovic had to dig to be able to do it. And it was it was all wrapped up in that third set. That, I agree, is one of the best sets of tennis I have ever seen. I, I've never seen... I don't think I've ever seen Novak Djokovic play better than he did tonight. And I'm trying, I'm trying to, to take myself back to the Australian Open final of 2012. He said in, in press tonight just a few minutes ago in fact that that is the best match he's ever played at Roland Garros and in the top three of his greatest matches of all time and 
you might debate about what the third would be, but surely that that 2012 Australian Open final against Nadal, the longest uh, of all time, um, would be one of the other three. And look, maybe this is a bit of recency bias, but I, I certainly can't confidently say that I remember Novak Djokovic ever playing better tennis than that. I mean, he... He blew me away tonight. I just, I, f- I felt like, felt like we all should have just sort of dropped to our knees after the match rather than standing on our feet and, and giving an ovation as everybody did extensively in the full Philippe Chatrier Stadium, which we'll come on to in a minute, I'm sure. Yeah, there were a number of thoughts that I was having going through my head about past matches, both between the two of them and other matches they've been in against other people. I was thinking back to Nadal against Daniel Medvedev in the US Open final when he was two sets up and and suddenly he was looking really fatigued and struggling to, to, to keep going, really. And I, I remember thinking at the time how how disconcerting it was to see him have to dig quite as deep as he did in a way that made me feel uncomfortable, that it wasn't quite human to have to do that. And you could see that he was having to do that at stages here, and it wasn't enough. And that is really jarring to see that, that this guy has a point that he can't keep up any longer. And that's, that's what Djokovic did to him. I mean, there's two things going on here for me. There's the fact of Nadal losing at Roland Garros, which I think we're all sort of feeling the shock of that. It's just, you know, this isn't how things are. This isn't how things have been. That is a monumental shock. The other shock to me is I didn't think Novak Djokovic had this in him anymore. You know, I said a couple of nights ago, I wasn't going to underrate one of the greatest players of all time (laughs) anymore. And here I am. I've done it again last night saying I was confident Nadal would win this. Because what we've seen in this matchup on clay over the last few years is real dominance by Nadal. He, He had Djokovic's number on clay. And there was very little in the first opening stages of this match for me to think, Otherwise, you know, Nadal was five love up in this match. This was going a similar way. Maybe it had a different feel. It but did it was have going a different a, feel. That was the it, it was, key to me. Djokovic was timing the ball really well, even though he yeah. was five love down. And that's what Djokovic just said to you in press, Catherine, that he felt different in those first five games. Even though he was losing, he felt like he was playing well. But still, playing well, he's five love down to Nadal. That's kind of proof that Nadal's got his number, is it not? Yeah, in, in some ways that's worse. Yeah. <laughs> I'm playing yeah. great and I'm five love down, so... And, and the way he was able to make it the match he wanted really surprised me from Djokovic. And, it, and perhaps it shouldn't have done because, you know, he's now someone who's done the impossible twice. He's beaten Nadal at Roland Garros twice. But... I just didn't think he had this in him anymore. And that, for me, is what makes it one of his greatest wins of all time because we have seen a little decline from him on clay in the last few years. So for him to pull that performance out now, age 34, with everything on the line, you know, to to close this gap to Federer and Nadal is is remarkable. Yeah, he, he, he made himself a bit... A bit greater 
than is already great status in my eyes tonight. I, I think when I, whenever the time comes, reflect on Djokovic's career, I, I will remember tonight. I really, really do. The, the, tonight is will be a contributing factor to his to his greatness. Um, I can't I can't quite believe what I've seen. I I I mean I doff my cap to both of them, but he just would not be beaten tonight. He just just wouldn't allow it mm. would not allow it and i know you know nadal's come into press and it, he 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 knows djokovic was good enough to win tonight you know kind of whatever the weather i think but he thinks he didn't quite have it nadal he 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 pointed to a slight lack of precision uh he he in spanish i think matt uh talked about the conditions quite a lot had that been played in the heat of the day yeah it, it could have been a slightly different match. He felt like his shots weren't quite landing in the way that he wanted them to. But let's be clear, he Djokovic didn't win that match because it was a bad performance by Nadal. Mm. That is absolutely not the story of, of, of tonight, for sure. No. I, I was My mind went back, because it was so good and the, they were playing so well at the same time, my mind went back to the number of matches that haven't panned out like that and this is held up as one of the great rivalries of the sport and I've often not been that into it because of the repetitive repetitive nature of some of the rallies and more so some of the duds we've seen when somebody's just dominated you know the Australian Open final when Djokovic was incredible but it was we were expecting this and we didn't get it the French Open final last year we were expecting this and we got a drubbing on the behalf of of Nadal and actually the one win that Djokovic has over Nadal that wasn't the real Nadal he mm. was he was so short of his best and he was terrible terribly unconfident at the time he was he was racked with self-doubt this wasn't that this was Nadal okay maybe the conditions weren't perfect for him and maybe he wasn't quite per- he was pretty much there this might be the first time the real Nadal has lost at Roland Garros. Yeah, I would mm. agree with that. Gosh. <laughs> That's the scale of what Djokovic has achieved yeah. tonight. And he, he has turned history tonight. Yeah. And what you're saying, David, there about their rivalry in the past and how occasionally some of their rallies have been repetitive... I think they're now in a way more exciting stage Agreed. of their rivalry because the rallies assume both a chess-like quality as they're trying to outmaneuver each other and yet they're just as physical rallies as ever. You kind of get the best of both at the moment, the way, the way they're both deploying drop shots, the way they're both looping the ball a bit more, the way they're changing the direction. They are fascinating rallies to watch unfold and unfurl in front of you and yeah i think i think this rivalry now is kind of as exciting as it's ever been Mm. yeah i'd certainly agree with that there are several several kind of ponderous gasp inducing things that matt said tonight one one was what he's already quoted you know can can you imagine someone losing this set and and winning the match uh, what you said just now about Nadal, and then, and then a brilliant projection into the future. Some some potentially getting ahead of ourselves speculation, but just imagine Novak Djokovic is going into the U.S. Open, 
playing for both the clubhouse lead in the Grand Slam race and the calendar slam. Oh, my God. With the, with, I went all David Law. With the Olympic gold medal already around his neck. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, there he is. <laughs> the Golden Slam. The golden playing slam. for the Golden Slam. Oh, my God. Oh, anyway. just beaten Nadal and we're already... <laughs> it's already not but enough. But then, usually, when there's a match like this and the previous semi-final has, has been played and the winner is at his hotel room, you know, feet up, the line is... Well, the person who will be joy- enjoying this match the most is insert name of previous winner of of winner of previous match. But unfortunately for Stefanos Tsitsipas, I think Diego Schwartzman rather summed it up in his tweet in Spanish earlier on tonight, where he said, "What did he say, Matt?" He said, "Tennis players, are we playing the same sport as these two? <laughs> It's a brilliant it was so line. perfect. And yet I still think Sid Spass has got a really good chance. Discuss. I do. I mean he I think he is playing okay, he 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 lost his way and Zverev took it to him to make it into a fifth set. But he for two sets he was just in total control. And his form generally is really good. Whether he can handle it now. We don't know yet. That's, it's going to be so interesting seeing Sitsipas in his first Grand Slam final. But he, he's he got the game. He has got the game to win this title. I have no doubt about that in my mind. Against the, against the Djokovic that we saw tonight? There's no guarantee that Djokovic is coming out on Sunday. No, that's a different discussion. But if it's the Djokovic we saw tonight, yeah. surely I mean, look, that's unplayable. Djokovic playing like he did tonight, yeah, he wins. Mm. Yeah, I think that's where... I come down as well. Gosh. Djokovic was as close <laughs> I, to unbeatable what, what, tonight as what I are can you imagine. Supposed, what, what are other tennis players supposed to think watching that match? I mean, it must just make you want to hang up your racket. I mean, what does Roger Federer think watching that? Well, he, the, That's what he's got to contend with n- to, now, to, to win another yeah, slam. Now, yeah, on what clay, does Andy Murray think on clay, with his metal hip watching that? These guys that? cannot play like that on clay anymore. Um, I think... For, for, I mean, most of them, I think, were just having the time of the life watching it, really, when mm. you saw the tweets coming through. And, and the other reason I'm, I'm not so worried about it being recency bias is because Andy Roddick is so self-aware where recency bias comes in, and he thought it was probably one of the greatest matches he's ever seen. And, you know, I don't know. I, th- I, think, I think, yeah, they all know that they've just watched something that is beyond them all. At this at this point, on certainly on this surface, at least Roger Federer doesn't have to come back from Halle and be there just in case Nadal breaks his record on Sunday. I think he would have done that. I don't think he would have done, but I would have liked to have seen it. <laughs> Pete Sampras style, mm. walking in just a little bit late <laughs> to Big cause entrance. a stir. Present, <laughs> presenting the trophy. Do you think uh, Nadal had a jacket ready-made for Sunday, Ooh. as Federer did? Or a mask. Or a, <laughs> a ceremonial mask that'll never see the light of day. Um, goodness me, I, 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 still can't, I still can't quite believe what I, we've seen tonight. I, I, it, it, I just want to say, I just loved watching everybody else's reactions, people that don't normally watch tennis. and Are you talking about Cher, David? <laughs> She's one of them, yeah. I mean, I feel Cher. like... 
I think Cher tonight tweeted about tennis. A lot of people. Where is Cher, the tennis fan, been all my life? <laughs> a lot of people would have just ended up on this match because people are talking about it and just thought, bloody hell, tennis is amazing. You know, yeah. and I mean, that's such a lovely. That's such a lovely thought to me. Yeah. Well, I mean, and. Obviously, they then go and watch another match, and it might be a dud, and they might they might not. But for that, for whatever reason, for that for that few hours, tennis was the center of the universe. It felt like to me, and I love that. I know that these are tennis people I'm usually following on Twitter, but there are also a lot of people that were just whipped up tonight. The Euros started tonight, and yeah, I came round. Yeah, well. I came round to Catherine's and it was advertised as a Euros stroke tennis pizza party. Uh, we watched the tennis on a screen, I would say, 15 times the size of the screen we used for the football. That's how, you know, that's how much our attention was on the tennis. And I think that that is representative of how big this was tonight. Yeah, I don't know if the people in my building uh, think that we're all just... Really big Italian football fans <laughs> in this flat. Was there a lot of noise? Uh, there was quite a lot of noise. Yeah, quite Brilliant. a lot of noise. Uh, David, the, the people that are on your Twitter feed for West Bromwich Albion rants would have been very disappointed with events oh, tonight. I've, I've lost I think. followers You've lost tonight. A lot, have you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I don't know whether this is cheesy, but I distinctly remember walking in to Wimbledon in 2018 on the day Nadal played Djokovic and thinking, we might not get many more of these matches. Mm. You know, I need to savour this. And the fact that this is now three years later and they're still playing at this level, oh, that that blows me away, it honestly, is it does. Really. And the fact that in on the channel that we, we were watching... I mean, obviously, it's always sort of there, but I can't remember the commentators referencing either player's age tonight. Do you remember when Roger Federer was 35? Yeah. I mean, it would be mentioned every other line, wouldn't it? What he's doing at the age of 35. And I know the fact that it's not being mentioned for those a couple of years younger is partly to do with Roger Federer moving the goalposts, Mm. but it was... it just wasn't about that. You're tonight. talking to they... the person who asked Roger Federer about retirement 14 years ago. So, um, <laughs> um, but I tell you the other thing: the atmosphere and the atmosphere because we just haven't had the atmosphere. And I know we touched on this at times during the Australian Open when we had one or two of those moments. But the moment that everybody thought they were going to get kicked out and didn't, and apparently Macron made a call because he was watching and said, let him stay. I mean... Yeah, I've got to say, I'm not going to dwell on it because nobody wants a, a COVID party pooper podcast. I don't think that's what people are tuning in for with this. But I actually don't... I, I don't love that that happened. Mm. Um, I, I Obviously, in the moment, was selfishly delighted uh, that the atmosphere was going to stay. But I, I don't think that's the right decision. Mm. Um but we don't, yeah, we don't need to dwell there. Also, P.S. What does Matteo Berrettini think of that? So the ru- the rules are that you have to obey the curfew unless it's a really, 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 really good tennis match, not just a really, really, really good tennis match. Um, if only Matteo Berrettini had just played that bit better, Macron would have would have made the call. 
If he was, he just wasn't quite into you enough, Matteo. <laughs> I'm not sure he was watching. <laughs> um, but yeah, obviously, looking at it from a purely tennis perspective, um, a joy to have that crowd. And Djokovic said that that was the best atmosphere he'd ever he'd ever played in. Um, and I thought that was really poignant, actually, because that obviously he, he's played in front of bigger, louder crowds. Obviously. He repeated twice to Cedric Pierlin in the post-match interview, tous les deux, pour tous les deux joueurs. You know, for, for both of us, he felt like it was a really respectful crowd, I think, that that, that appreciated the, the spectacle and the effort of what they were seeing. Um, and I think I think that's true. I think that's right, you know. And, oh, it was everything, wasn't it? Yeah. Isn't and, tennis um, good? <laughs> It's great. It's, I, I, I can't imagine better sport than that, really. Um, and it's, yeah, total privilege to be able to work in it when it's like that. And, uh, yeah, I feel quite emotional. What can it, I say? It's not even finals weekend. I mean, it will be when people are listening to this, but... doesn't even get a trophy for that. Yeah, that's, you know, we've got the emotional highs of finals weekend to come. I mean, these these last two days have been extraordinary already. Uh, and, and, like, and like with you saying, you know, can you imagine losing this set and, and winning the match and, and then saying, look, the only person on the planet that could even possibly be capable of that is Nadal. I think if it were anybody but Djokovic, maybe throw Nadal in there as well. In fact, almost certainly throwing Nadal in there as well, you'd be questioning the player's ability to come back from tonight emotionally. Um, uh, you know, how can tonight not feel like the pinnacle, like the summit? Mm. Well, he didn't win Roland Garros when he beat yeah. Nadal in 2015. Mm. And, and, and he saw... refer- sorry, when we covered that year in... in in uh, French Open relived last year, that was I think it was Marion Vida, wasn't it? That that I spoke to for that said that yeah. that was a lot of the problem. He saw beating Nadal at Roland Garros as the summit, and recovering emotionally mm. from that. Obviously, that was in the quarterfinals was was a problem for Djokovic. So look, he's got the experience of going through that once before, um, which will surely help him. But then this was a far more epic and draining match than than the win in in 2015 was. So. Yeah, you're right. Of course, for all of those reasons, Sitsipas has a chance, but he he needs... I don't mean to take away... Sitsipas is, by some margin, the third third best player in the world at the moment on clay at this tournament, but the, the gap between three and two is so enormous, and he... Yeah, he, put he in, definitely he, needs... He needs Djokovic to come down a bit from what he was yeah. tonight. No, no question about it. I, I just think that that is possible because of the mental approach being different. I mean, we've seen in two rounds the the full extremes of the Novak Djokovic personality on the court. If you think back to that roar in an empty stadium against Berrettini, which kind of rattled us as viewers, I think. It was just like... Blimey, is he, what, is he losing it? What's the matter with him? Why is he doing that? And But I mean, look, that's just he just had to get that out of his system. And then he came out tonight 
And I just, I couldn't understand how he wasn't winning any of those games at the start because he was timing the ball so well. His eyes were clear. There was never any feeling sorry for himself when he was losing game after game. He just, you could tell he'd got the confidence that it would come. Now, when he faces Sitsipas, different pressure. Really, even with all these years of experience, he is now, he's now climbed a summit of beating like the greatest home club in their own stadium. You know, he's beaten Nadal in his own place. And it's like a, it's like the ultimate break of serve. Now he's got to now he's got to go and capitalize and win it and in the race for the ultimate prize of being at the top of the tree in the Grand Slam stakes. I mean, that's a lot of pressure and he's playing a guy he's supposed to beat. But I suppose Sitsipas has also got uh, kind of a lot of emotion to try and regroup from. He was, yeah, you know, he was uh, he was very struck today, wasn't he, by the achievement of having not just reached a Grand Slam final on a personal level. That's obviously been a huge goal of his, but becoming the first Greek player to do so. He went into his own little storytelling world about being, you know, being from a small town outside of Athens and, you know, realising this big dream. You know, it it really means something to him. Mm. Uh, it was his best on-court interview that I've heard, I think. Yeah, it was I great, mean, wasn't it? Great credit to Marion Bartoli. But How did he sc- it was describe the, the many emotional breakdowns that he experienced throughout the course, <laughs> throughout the course of the match, which was an unusually self-aware... <laughs> description of uh of his uh of his inner monologue wasn't it um as hannah said on our twitter we noticed <laughs> <laughs> it, it to be honest it it doesn't the fact that he was two sets up and let zverev back in that doesn't really worry me so much i uh, you know his tennis is there the fact that he had a wobble on the precipice of something so huge that he's never achieved before. That doesn't worry me so much, especially as, as you say, David, the proposition of the final is so different. He was, he was the heavy favorite. He was expected to, and needed to win that match today. You know, he, the grief chamber would have been firing on all cylinders. Had he not won that match, especially at two sets love up. That's, you know, the stakes well, are suddenly even higher because if you're losing it, you're losing it from two sets up. That's even worse mm. than just losing the thing. Um, well, what happened at two sets up from, from what you were seeing? Look, I, th- I, I think Zverev, Zverev served unbelievably well for those two sets and it didn't take much drop off. From Sitsipas, it's not like he he completely disappeared or went walkabout in that match, but it didn't take much drop drop off to let Zverev in and give him a bit of belief, really. And then that bit of belief put planted the seed of doubt in Sitsipas's mind, and you could almost see Bjorn, Borna Chorich flashing across Sitsipas's irises, you know. Um, and that was and the how US could he Open, not be? The US Open match he lost from the fourth round match last year, losing from from two sets to love up. Um, how could that not be? And there was 
can't quite remember the subsequent results, but there was definitely mental baggage from from that mm. match for a, for a while afterwards. He seems to be recovered from it now, but it left some some scars. I think um, mm. it was a strange match against yeah. Verev today, and ultimately, I felt it was completely dictated by Sitsipas. He was completely proactive in those first two sets, getting the ball on his forehand, looking to make things happen. And I think he made Zverev look like the very worst version of himself as a tennis player, which is just completely reactive to everything that's happening from six feet behind the baseline. And then, as you said, Zverev really did serve better in those third and fourth sets. I think the moment got to Sitsipas and he went away from being proactive. I think he was... I felt like he was bailing out of rallies, which he didn't need to. I, I, I felt he was struggling a little bit physically, but maybe it was just more mentally. Um, and then he's loved 40 down in the first game of the fifth set is Sitsipas. And actually, I think the fact he got through such a tough game yeah. was pivotal because it, it gave him such a boost... And it also was a significant blow to Zverev not to get the break at the start of the fifth. And then very quickly, the match took on the form of the first yeah. two sets again. It was as though those third and fourth sets hadn't really happened. And it was like, oh, well, Sitsipas is the better player. He's just going to see this out. And it wasn't a particularly dramatic yeah. fifth set. It, it was a strange. It's amazing to think that that, in scoreline terms, that was the closer match of the day. Hmm. That was a five-setter and... Nadal Djokovic was a four-setter with a with a not that close fourth set, but I mean mm. tennis is well, these, tennis is a weird they, thing. They didn't play well at the same time at all. No, no. And look, I do think we could be here on Sunday pointing to those two sets as a as an unnecessary detour for Sitsipas. I remember Boris Becker's words after the 2016 final saying the difference between Djokovic and Murray was the extra energy that Murray had spent. Five hours, 46 minutes or something, wasn't it? that he'd spent in those first couple of rounds against Borg and... That's not that's not Bjorn. That's Matthias Borg and Radek Stepanek. I think you and, and need it, everything against. Djokovic. And if you think about it, in 2012 Wimbledon, sorry, the 2013 Wimbledon, didn't Djokovic have have an epic against, against um, Del Potro? Del Potro. Mm. You need you need everything. And he looked a bit short finals. in the final in the end. Mm. Although they weren't a grueling five sets, no, but it's an extra yeah. hour and a half on court. Uh, yeah, and it somehow made it more of an emotional match yes. for for sit to pass as well. Made it. F- I, I'm not, I'm not sure. I mean, of course, he would have been emotional to reach his first Grand Slam final, but I'm not sure it would quite have been that much of a enormous sigh of relief combined mm. with the emotion of of the feat um, of reaching that final. So, oof, I'm not going to ask for predictions just yet. We've got a we've got a good 24 hours before we do that. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss hello tennis podcast listeners david here now you might know that i love a bit of cooking and i think i'm quite good at it but if i'm honest even i get fed up trying to work out what to do every night that's where home chef comes in being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times well that's pretty cool Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. We can look ahead to tomorrow's women's final, Anastasia Pavlyuchenkova and Barbora Krachikova. I asked Matt earlier on this evening in the heat of Djokovic-Nadal battle who he was going for in this one and he took a long, long pause and then a big sigh and he went, I think Pavlyuchenkova. Do you stand mm. by that, Matt? Or was that a sort of frenzied Nadal-Djokovic-affected <laughs> moment? Yeah, I wasn't thinking straight. <laughs> um, look, I, I really think... It's extremely close, tough to call. I would probably just say still Pavlyuchenkova. I I can't believe that Krejcikova is not going to hit some sort of wall physically. She has played so much tennis and yet she keeps deceiving me and her opponents and not hitting any wall and being fine. But I don't know. I think I think Pavlyuchenkova's just very level-headed and very measured, just going about her business this tournament. I just think she's playing great tennis and slightly leaning Pavlyuchenkova for for no real reason. I can't believe I'm going to volunteer a confident prediction here, but as as the course of today is, has gone on and I've m- m- mused on this final, sort of come back to it, come back to thoughts of it uh, every now and then over the course of the day, I've become more and more confident in Krajikova every time I've come back to it. She's just filled me with this confidence over the last two matches. And look, I agree with everything you've just said about Pavlyuchenkova, but 
I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Neither of us know. Um, it, yeah, David. I, I've been such a disgrace with my predictions <laughs> over the course of this tournament that I, I don't have any confidence in myself whatsoever. I mean, I've been an embarrassment, and I, every time I really think something's going to happen, it doesn't happen. So I don't know what's going to happen. I really don't feel. I mean, I, I sort of lean towards critique of her because I'm. I feel really wrapped up in her story. She's really <laughs> won me over all year. Ever since we we sort of heard about her story, and I love watching her play. I think she's such a clever tennis player and beautiful ball striker. Just has. Mm. A totally, di- she, you know, the other thing that struck me the other day, and I, f- I forgot to mention this. It sounds so silly, but she she plays with a fluorescent yellow racket frame, <laughs> right? And Jimmy Connors had one of those in the nineteen ninety one U.S. Open on his way to the semifinals, and and it's the effect of it when a two hander sweeps it through the ball. This glowing yellow frame makes it feel like a wand to me as though she's as though she's not even trying to hit it very hard it looks like a lightsaber mm. and uh, and it, and i just feel like she can do anything with mm. it she could put the ball anywhere she wants really and there's a thought process behind it okay i've talked myself into it i'm going for a critique of it so something about the way she dealt with that match match point that wasn't well it was match point but she didn't mm. she didn't win it that that Oh, there should be Hawkeye on clay moment yesterday. Something about that and the way she kept her head makes me think that she's going to rise to the occasion tomorrow. Yeah, big match player, yeah. isn't it? And I actually think some of the doubles matches she's played stand her in good stead. Not well, just David, this fortnight, you... but the, the kind of, you know, the career as being a really successful doubles player. Mm. She's had big moments. And she'll have another one again on the doubles court because on Sunday in the women's doubles final, she's going to be going for glory, possibly at that stage, double glory, depending on what happens tomorrow. Because today she and Katerina Siniakova won their semi-final against Magdalene and Bernarda Perez, 6-1-6-2. Really? Uh, So it will be Krajikova Siniakova against Bethany Matek-Sands and Iga Sviontek. Oh, when's that on? (laughs) Sunday. Uh, they beat Arena Camelia Begu and Nadia Podoroska three and four today. How cool is that? That's the, the ultimate. I'm not working for a few hours at that point. <laughs> yeah, the England game on Sunday as well. It's uh, and it's media day at Queens. It's all happening. It's too much of what it's like manic Monday. <laughs> Nothing's happened for 15 months, and it's all happening on Sunday. <laughs> Um, yeah, and we've got the men's double. If you won't give me a prediction for the women's singles final, David, although I think you did just talk yourself into uh, one, didn't you? Was that official? Yes, it's official, yeah. Okay, will you give me a men's doubles final prediction? You can either have accidental Alexander Bublik and Andre Golubev or very much deliberate Pierre Rugebert and Nicolas Mau. Oh, I'm going to go for the French duo. How can you not... How yeah. can you they're, not? They're seasoned. <laughs> seasoned. <laughs> they were apparently singing the Marseillaise during the Nadal-Djokovic match tonight, the fans. And, I mean, yeah. can you imagine having a national anthem that also works as a, as a chant? And I, I, and I hope that comes out tomorrow if, if Herbert and Mahu do win it.
Yeah. Well, obviously, Those we've got our seconds. own we've got our own Herbert in the tennis podcast group, so you know we, we've got to show a little bit of support. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad this this is stuck. By the way, we posted a photo on Instagram today. I I got to see David today for the first time since March last year. We posted a photo, and everyone was saying, "Oh, David, you with Pierre Ugarte." <laughs> <laughs> This reminds me of the fact that I never mentioned the uh, the comment under one recent uh, Instagram post of ours, which was, David, why are you always so handsome? <laughs> and I still haven't answered yet because I haven't been able to work it out. It's just one of those things <laughs> that just sort of happened. I know why. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm still looking for the answers. David, why are you always so handsome? Ah, <laughs> it's one, one for the gravestone, David. <laughs> <laughs> Right then, so that is what you've got to look look forward to tonight. I can't possibly think of a pithy way to sum up today's tennis, tonight's tennis. It's just been it's been something else. It's been an absolute pleasure to be involved in tennis tonight and uh, a fan of tennis. And hopefully there are a few new fans of tennis as a result of tonight. That's uh, that's my hope. Uh, Phoebe was our mascot for all of it. Lucky, lucky Phoebe, mascotting one of the best matches we've ever seen. Uh, I don't think anybody scored on the predictions today. So apologies go to Zeus, Scousel, Mousel and Rogue. He's only lost three times at Roland Garros, Nadal. <laughs> and, you know, you pick him, he loses. Classic. <laughs> You'd have thought that was a banker, wouldn't yeah. you? Yeah, literally like a literally a two percent chance of that happening. <laughs> uh, Billy Jean's been having a whale of a time, while well sponsored by Billy Jean King. Chris Albert Lee has been our wonderful executive producer. Matt, who are our shout outs for? I can actually just lean over and, and see the shout outs for myself because I'm, Ooh, do you want to I'm that close to Matt. <laughs> let's get, do you want to do them Matt today? to comment? Okay, point yeah. point to where I'm reading. Elizabeth Desmond, thank you oh. very much indeed. My best mate at school was uh, called Desmond. Uh, he still is kind of my <laughs> best mate. And and he's the one who, who managed to lure me out of the lost law years. If, oh. you're, lis- if you're listening, Desmond, you are still kind of David's best mate. So, Lucky you. So, yeah. so we, owe, Joint. we owe everything to Desmond, really. We owe everything to Desmond. Yeah. And by extension, Elizabeth Desmond. Thank you very yeah, much so indeed. Thanks very much, Elizabeth, on many counts. Next we have Julian Wookie. Like Wookie Hole. Yeah. I, I used to know Julian at school as well. I didn't <laughs> like him very much. Uh, but I like this Julian a lot. Thank you very much for your support, Julian. Oh, we've got a good in last. Not that Elizabeth and Julian haven't been good ins, they've been cracking. But we've got Matthew Moffat. Oh, wow. Mm. That's a cool name. How do, we, how do we spell that surname? We spell it M-O-F-F-I-T-T. Like Didn't little, little, like little King Miss... used to be called... Yeah. Billie Jean Moffat. Moffat? Is yeah. that the same and, spelling? Oh, well, I was going to go with Little Miss Moffat. Sat on her toffet, eating her curds of curds and whey. Isn't that it? I don't think it is. <laughs> <laughs> I think you've got it wrong. Because a toffet isn't a thing. <laughs> could, could, 
This is why I <laughs> You wanted me to Google this and find out. Yes, please. I don't have any free hands. Right. Um, but I'm very much enjoying the pa- Moffat news. The, the, the power of, of reading out the. Uh, I think it's Muffet. Little Catherine, Miss Muffet sat on her yes. toffet. Is a toffet yes. a thing? Little Miss Muffet. Yes, that's correct. So you, you nearly got it right. Sat on her toffet, <laughs> eating her curds away. Very nice try. Along came a spider yeah. and sat down beside her and frightened Miss Muffet away. Anyway, yeah. that is not the that surname of, of Matthew Muffet. Uh, but it's no. close. Thank you very much for your support, Matthew. We've been the tennis podcast on <laughs> one of the most spectacular evenings of tennis uh, we've ever had the pleasure of reporting on. We hope you've enjoyed the day enjoyed this podcast are enjoying the newsletter um and continue to do so for the two remaining days of roland garros 2021 we'll be back with more tomorrow Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.